On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and I'm so honored to welcome Kristen Bummer. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thanks for all you're doing. And you wrote a book. Um, again, like we were just talking before we started, it, it makes me giggle every time. Baby got back in her pants. <laughs> and, you know, I totally get it as a mom of three. And it's just like, I remember that being my major thing was getting in literally into the pants I had prior. Yes. So I think it's a brilliant, brilliant title. So congratulations on that. Thank um, you so much. You're welcome. Before we get started, so tell us about Kristen's journey to a plant-based diet and kind of the, the background that led to this wonderful accomplishment. Yeah, sure, sure. Thanks. So I actually did not have a problem with weight when I was younger. I was always really athletic, took good care of myself, thought that I was pretty healthy. And then when I was in my late twenties, weight started to creep up a little bit. I wasn't as crazy active as if, you know, I used to be in college and stuff and the, the team sports kind of whittled away and things like that. And then, but I was still working out. I was still going to the gym all the time. We was doing things like P90X and my husband was really into it as well. And so we were working out, you know, six days a week, hard workouts, rest day was like a two hour yoga day. It wasn't really, you know, like that's just the lifestyle we led. And I was eating all the lean meat, all the high protein, low fat dairy, thinking I was doing all the great things until I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. And I was only 32 at the time. My mom had high blood pressure. My grandfather's had both died from heart attacks. And my dad had been on blood pressure pill since he was 19. So I saw the writing on the wall and I was pretty freaked out. And kind of the funny thing about it is I was not seeing a doctor regularly. I was the kind of patient that would show up when something was wrong and I couldn't didn't have a regular doctor. So I would just go into walk-in urgent care or something. And I knew enough from my own background to notice the trend in my blood pressure going up. And so it was concerning to me before anybody actually diagnosed it as hypertension, but then it also was kind of funny to me because I found, I, so, all right, let me back up. So I saw my blood pressure rising, got freaked out because I thought I was already doing all the right things. Mm -hmm. So I started trying to figure out, well, is it my birth control pills that I'm on? Maybe it's the alcohol that I'm drinking way too much of, right? So maybe it's those things. And I would kind of play around with different things. And while I was on that that sort of pretty short-term experiment of trying to figure out what it was and none of those things were really changing anything. Somebody introduced to me, a friend introduced the China study. Mm. Okay. So I heard this book and the friend had introduced it as something about the link between dairy and cancer. Mm. And I'm like, tell me more. What are you talking <laughs> about? And she's like, I don't really remember. Just go read the book. I'm like, how do you not remember like dairy cancer? What are you talking about? I'm eating this all the time. What are you talking about? Um, and I'm a Cornell grad. My husband is as well. I was with a whole bunch of Cornell friends. And when I found out about this book and that it was published while I was a student on campus, wow. I was 
uh, this mix of emotions. I was actually quite angry for a while. Like, how did I not know that this was, this stuff was going on, this research? Um, you know, not that a lot of the research was going on at that time, but it was reporting, right? This decades of research. So I just had this light come on, floodlights, right? That opened me up to this whole world that I had had no idea about. And so I went, I decided after reading the book, I decided, okay, we're going vegan. I didn't know the word plant-based at the time. We're getting rid of meat and dairy, but we're vegan now. And we actually made this transition. People always talk about the transition. Well, our transition happened in about five days while we were on vacation in Alaska, because oh. that's when I was reading the book. <laughs> that's an easy place to go. Right. <laughs> it's not very vegan friendly, turns out. <laughs> but that was a really good experiment for me because I could do it. Mm. And then if I could do it there, then doing it at home, when I have access to my own kitchen, my own groceries, I can buy whatever I want. Not that hard. So mm. it was actually, I think maybe even a good thing that it started that way. Um, it's not really what I'd recommend though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make a hard transition even harder by putting right. you somewhere that's not friendly. Hey. Yeah. And then it'll be easier later. I promise. <laughs> Got the hard part over with. <laughs> exactly. Um, so when we came home from that train, so that, that book was what did it for me. And when we came home, we decided all right, we're going to take this very seriously. So we went to get our lab work done. We wanted before and afters, um, as we'd read about, you know, these crazy, amazing things that can happen. We wanted the data to prove it. And it's funny. I went, so that's when I was diagnosed with hypertension and my doctor said I was the highest weight I'd ever been. And he said, I'll give you six months. He was, he, that, that was his being supportive of my plant-based plan. <laughs> I'll I expect you, you to fail within six months and you yeah. can come back and take the script I want to give exactly, you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of took that as the challenge, right? I'm like, I'll show you, you know, so <laughs> might've worked out. Okay. I would have never thought you were like that. <laughs> I know. Right. Total surprise. <laughs> so I, um, you know, so we went all in and I think that served me very well because we wanted to have a real experiment and see this is what we were doing before. This is my lab work before. This is what we're doing now. And this is what happened. And I went back in one month. I didn't wait six. I went back in one month. <laughs> I got a new lab work. Everything's beautiful. Blood mm. pressure is normal. You know how this story goes. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is though, the first time I was there, he was trying to console me and let me know like, Hey, look, look at your family history. Sorry, honey, but some people just have bad genes. And then I went back in a month and yes, he sees a lot of patients. I understand that well, except it really got under my skin. He wasn't all that impressed with my labs. Totally should have been right. He wasn't all that impressed. Wow. Barely asked what I did or why or how. And he actually said, some people just have good genes. I guess they're one of them. Are you for real? But again, <sighs> this was such a turning point for me because mm. I heard that and it was a, I say a slap in the face, a punch in the gut or whatever, but that was so clear to me. Oh my goodness. It's up to me. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that has to do this. 
I'm the one that gets to do this, right? It's my responsibility. And thank goodness I already had the answers, right? I already knew what to do and I'd already proven that it could work for me. So things happen for a reason. Uh, what That wasn't a fun experience, but it, that was life-changing for me when I realized, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not going to rely on this gentleman to determine what my next 60 years are going to look like. Mm-hmm. That's up to me to get to plan. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got started. And, and it, we just kind of took it from there. Um, wasn't always easy. You know, it was uh, a roller coaster at times. And particularly when I got pregnant, actually it's, it's a little bit funny. You mentioned being a mom. I spent many years having decided not to have children because I was afraid of getting fat. Wow. And not because I'd seen it happen, right? The writing on the wall, it's everybody in my family. And I was just, it's not anything we talked about, Mm. but I just watched what happened. And we were having so much fun as a young married couple traveling all over the place. I wasn't in a hurry to just turn things upside down anyway, right? So we were just fine. But then I watched friends and I watched my family and I watched their lives completely change um, the way that they lived their lives. And then I saw, you know, the weight gain and then never returning back. And that was a real deep fear for me that I am going to lose who I am and what I look like and the things I like to do. And that was enough to, to squash this whole idea of starting a family, which is now in hindsight, crazy as you know, I have a six-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. So, but it was because in large part, what I realized I could, I didn't have to follow the path of everybody else. And I was not just a victim of this family history. And I realized, okay, it's not, it's not the genes, despite what the doc says, I actually have some control over this. And so then I became really excited about getting as healthy as I possibly can, doing everything possible to prepare for pregnancy. I was a super nerdy about all of it. And uh, and then had a really healthy pregnancy. And I was mm. so proud to go to watch my weight, you know, climb up little by little throughout the pregnancy and then come back down after until we had a huge upheaval in life. Mm. And in a, about a three month span, we had sold our home, built a new home, like finished building the new home, sold a business. So then I went from being a super busy entrepreneur to stay at home mom with a newborn. Mm. So identity shift. And (laughs) yeah, we like that alone, right? Like any one of those things alone would have been enough to send anybody in a tailspin. But this was also happening in the winter time and holidays, right? So the holiday food was all over the place. Oh, geez. Yeah perfect storm. Uh, My daughter was born December 15th. So we had, you know, so like just all of it. Um, She was born six days after we moved into the new house. Oh my goodness. You moved and your ninth month of pregnancy. Uh Uh-huh. You're a saint. I was like, yeah, 
moving <laughs> by. And at that point, I, I got out of a lot of the painting and like a lot of the <laughs> chores. Oh, so you planned this. Hmm. So that part was good. That worked okay. <laughs> and then when she was late, I was like, all right, I'm moving boxes. We're going, let's get her out. Anything to <laughs> Let's get this baby out the door. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and then when she was, and then she, she went back into the NICU for some real minor complications, but there's no minor thing about having your kid in the NICU. Um, that was super traumatic for me. I was a basket case. And then when she was, and actually she had some uh, early surgeries for lip tie and tongue tie. Okay. Uh, lots of trouble breastfeeding oh. and very painful. And then when she was six weeks old, we're just, we're starting to coast through some things, sort of, if, if that's a thing, I don't know, um, <laughs> with a six week old. You can't but, remember much of it, but yes, it's coasting. Exactly, right. <laughs> this, this whole period in my life, I basically blur. remember the facts. <laughs> it's a, the ret, it's a total blur. Mm -hmm. um, but at that point, my, uh, when she was six weeks old, my father-in-law was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Oh my goodness. And then six weeks after that, we were at his funeral Aww. and it was just insane, just completely insane. This whole, like, so everything that I just described took place. Well, actually in truth, all of that took place with probably within, um, yeah, it was about a three month span. Wow. That's so crazy. just complete craziness. Right. And so my healthy lifestyle, totally on the back burner. Totally. It was yeah. fast. I don't even know fast food, but you know, Starbucks drive-through scones, you know, that kind of counts. Mm -hmm. Um, junk food, Halloween candy, you know, all, all that stuff, whether it was vegan or not, I never really got into meat or cheese again at that point, but mm. it, it was vegan, you know, processed years, that kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. processed foods. Yeah. That stuff was okay. Yeah. So, so that point was a big wake up call for me. I think that was really that was a, that was a big one for me because I, when I started eating stuff that wasn't vegan and it was against my ethical, this, which was several years old at that point, because I've mm -hmm. had this strong ethical conviction. I am now a vegan for ethical reasons. In addition to even though it started with health reasons and I'm buying stuff that has animal products in it and I'm eating it. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had no control over it. Mm that was bad. And mm. that's also, that just set off all these flags. What's going on? This is not, this is not me. It's not what I want to do. Mm. I know better. I'm doing it anyway. What the heck is going on? Um, so that's what really got me to straighten out again and to really take a look at it. Um, and that's when I realized I needed to be very clear when I say whole food plant-based I mean whole food plant-based not just mostly plants uh -huh. and so that's when I I really cleaned things up I got rid of um everything processed even though I was I was oh my I was close to there before you know kind of things fell apart but I went all the way there this time and that's what it took for me to actually see permanent success mm. and now it's not like everything's just peachy keen every single day forever. Right. But I just have these little teeny ups and downs, right? right. So, these, you know, challenging moments 
there's never this, oh my gosh, I'm totally off the rails for three months, right? right. It's just teeny tiny adjustments all the time um, in spite of, or I should say despite some crazy life circumstances that have that would have in the past completely thrown me off. Mm-hmm. Right? So I've still been tested and I've still now am able to pass those tests with flying colors might have, again, that's where we might have these little adjustments, but mm-hmm. never that totally crazy. I'm out of control. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I, cool. I feel very fortunate to have arrived in that sense and feel like I have that control and I know why, and I can maintain it. Absolutely. I think a lot of women will relate to you varying life circumstances for everyone can be really rough. Um, What I'm really curious about though, and I love this kind of element of being mindful suddenly you were. So how did you become mindful? Because I think mindfulness is such a superpower, the curiosity fact. Where, Where did that conversation start? How did you start that process of becoming aware of what was going on? Mm-hmm. Was it when things calmed down? Was it something that triggered a, a certain specific, like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? I'm like, what was it for you? Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think I think it was a slow evolution. I don't recall any major, you know, turning point in that sense. So um, let's see, would that have been about that time? So my sister's a yoga teacher. And I think it would have been actually right around that time that she was doing a lot of training Um, and we're very close and she would share the idea of meditation. I don't know if she ever sent me guided meditations or anything, but but we would have those conversations and she... um, she was the one in the family long before I was plant-based. She was the one that introduced mindful eating actually. And she Mm. would talk about um, the idea of, you know, my family, like so many we've every time we're together, it revolves around food. We get together. What do you want to eat? What are we going to eat? What's the plan? Like which meal are we getting together for? Right. Every Mm -hmm. holiday, of course. And so, I think she was the one I have to credit with sort of dripping that concept that we don't have to focus everything around food. We can actually focus on the rest of life. Maybe we can go for a walk together. We can go to the garden. Let's find something new, go to museum, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I think that <clears throat> that became, I allowed that in at that point when I recognized my behavior was a little bit beyond my control and I wasn't mm-hmm. sure why. So that also, I think, was a, a red flag that I was using food. Mm-hmm. And I never really heard of it in those terms. I'm, I don't come from, a, there's not addiction in my family. But when I thought about this, my behavior with processed food, and it would tick all the boxes for processed food addiction, that was a huge revelation. And I think at that point too, is when I realized, okay, wait, people have by and large figured out how to deal with addiction, Mm -hmm. right? We don't have everything figured out, but there's a path, there's treatment plans. We know we can get people through addictions. So if I just follow that plan, maybe that'll work. 
And that's really what I did. And so for a long time, I just practiced abstinence from Mm -hmm. processed foods. And that allowed my brain a chance to get away from it, my body to heal. I started to move away from the pull for it. And at the same time, I was building this mindfulness around, okay, there's other things in life besides food. Maybe we can cope their stress. Maybe we can cope in some other ways. It doesn't have to be drowning it with alcohol. Well, actually, I'm sorry. I was off alcohol at that point before my daughter was, long before I even got pregnant, I was off of alcohol. But drowning it with sugary beverages, coffee, pick-me-ups, then the junk food and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think what you describe is <clears throat> the journey of so many people, but what they struggle with is the continued abstinence, the enough, giving yourself enough time in place, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think it's because they don't have other practices to help them with the transition and staying sustained. They're just like right. using willpower to right. stop, like, I am not going to eat this. Yeah. You know, in the meanwhile, they're like this internal friction fighting. Yeah. And uh, plus you have all this external cues, like eat me, eat me, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, definitely. So that's why I always find it so fascinating journeys for people and understanding what allowed you to persist and continue and sustain the changes that you've seen do so much for your health and others. And so that's really cool. I like how you said the mindful eating. I love the mindful eating practices and how you bring that in. But I also think the plant-based diet is key to that. So you stay in health. Um, I think that's fabulous. It's right. a really, really important component. So excellent. absolutely. Yeah. Well, this leads us to, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> you help others Yeah. transition. You have clients, you've written the book that makes me giggle every time I think of the title <laughs> and <laughs> I, <laughs> oh my goodness, it's great. Um, so tell us a few of your success stories and then maybe like, what was your inspiration for the book and what would be your vision and hope for it? Yeah, sure. Okay. So let me unpack that bit by bit. So, um, so yeah, so I started helping people whenever I realized that at some point it became apparent. All right, (laughs) back up. I first found out about whole food plant-based stuff. And like I said, when I was reading this book and realized that China study and realized this is out there. What else is out there that I don't know about? So I started learning a lot, going to all the conferences, reading a ton of books, and I started writing. So I just started sharing and I was blogging at the point. I don't, I don't maintain the blog anymore, but I was sharing everything I could with anybody that would listen. And I chose the blog route because Facebook, I was where I didn't want to censor myself. And I felt like everything was already so censored with what the information that had come to me was already so censored. I wanted to be able to be honest Mm. about my experiences and to share what was really going on with me and what I was learning. And I figured if I just write my blog, people can come listen to it and they don't have to, right? And if they like it, they can stay. If they don't want to hear it, they don't have to. I'm not going to worry about offending my family or my friends. I'm just gonna, this is me in my lane over here. And if you want to come listen, by all means, like I dare you to ask me a question because we're just going to go, <laughs> you know? And so, um, so that's, that sort of started my helping people. And it was completely self-serving in, at, in the beginning, because I just needed to basically vent 
this uh. stuff that was going on, not in an angry way, but just to, to voice it, right? Uh. All the stuff that I was learning. And even just from an ethical standpoint, I, since I was five, wanted to be a vet. And oh. so I went through, I'd worked with animals my whole life. I had a, a career taking the business I sold was a dog daycare business right on cue. My dog. Just I was going to say, I think I just saw some ears. <laughs> yeah. Like, was that, was that that's, a trained dog that that's came in? Funny, right. He's like, yeah, <laughs> that's your chance. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so when I understood all the realities behind factory farming and realized mm -hmm. that I built my career on treating pets like they were royalty and I was still eating them mm. and it completely was off my radar I never I never saw the disconnect there that yeah. here I am elevating animals on this crazy pedestal I mean we my I had a frou-frou dog daycare and grooming business and training like we did indoor dog park and all this stuff so I'm like doing all those things and then eat literally would turn and eat animals for lunch. And wow. it, it just, it was a complete disconnect. That's the only way I can describe it. So that was something that I really explored too, because I was also surrounded, I had surrounded my life with animal lovers. Mm -hmm. And so then I was, you know, wanting to shine the light for others as well. And there was just so much that I had become exposed to that I felt obligated to share. Um, and the writing was very therapeutic for me. So I started writing a really long time ago. And then I started fielding questions from people in other programs. And I was mentoring uh, students in other programs. So I, when I was working um, with John Pierre, actually. So um, I was mentoring in the mastery program. And that became a really fun way for me to help people troubleshoot, right? They knew a lot of this stuff, probably knew more than me in a lot of cases, but they weren't implementing it well. And so I realized that I had kind of unlocked some things and understood and implemented things that were making it really pretty easy for me that other people were really struggling with. And so that became the real motivation behind starting my online coaching programs. And then, then I decided I needed to make everything very condensed in book format. There's, and this is a funny thing, um, as an author, because it's very tempting to feel like everything's already been said. Mm. Like, oh, there's so much now, even though plant-based is still so itty bitty as far as mainstream goes, sure. there's so many wonderful books out there. What do I have to add to this conversation? Mm. And then I thought about it and realized this, my angle is helping people make it easy. Mm -hmm. easy enough that they can sustain it because they can. And I've, I've had some really fun clients who, um, who would come to me and I'll, I'll get emails that will say, you know, I've been a part of this organization forever. I've been to the, I've worked with this doctor. I've done this program, that program, that program. There's nothing you can teach me that I don't already know, but do you think your program will work for me? <laughs> like, well, You're asking for help. Yeah something's missing with what you're doing. So let's see, let's find out. I don't know. Let's find out. Right. Um, and, and there was actually a super fun client that I just had recently that anytime she posted in the Facebook group, a question and people would answer, she would respond with her resume of all her 
plant-based knowledge. Oh, wow. No, no, no. I already know that. That's, I know that. And here's why. And here's all my stuff. Every mm. question. It was, it was funny. Um, and she wouldn't mind me sharing that. It's, it's become, a, you know, humorous now. A running joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and all, and all I said was just give me a few days, just start the program, just a few days, just start, which is a, a, the hard part for a lot of people, right? Starting something new because we mm. worry, I don't know, is it, is it going to work? Is this right. going to be any different than those hundred times I've tried before? And I think it was on day three, I got a really long email and mm. I saw the name and I saw a long email and I was like, oh no, here it goes. <laughs> here it comes. Gonna, here it goes. And it was an apology. Aww. And it was an apology for coming across as if she knew everything. And she said, oh my gosh, we're three days in. You pretty much already changed my life. Aww. And I can't even believe it. I can't even believe I missed these these things, right? So it's the, those tweaks. And uh, she went on to see unbelievable change in her blood sugars, uncontrolled diabetic for a long time. Mm. And little tweaks, as you know, how that happens. Right we're right in line and things are looking great. So, um, so it's so fun, you know, and that's what, that's what keeps me going. And so then the idea with the book is getting that concept out there that there's, there's phenomenal resources and some people have trouble implementing them. Mm -hmm. So for those people that already know how to be plant-based or know that they should say they know they want to be, right? Mm -hmm. They've heard about it. They want to be, they have the desire and they want the, the how to do it part. Mm-hmm. That's where this book comes in. Yep. Um, and it's funny. I don't even really make a stellar strong case for trying to convince everybody to go plant-based in that book, because it's, I'm sort of coming under the assumption that you want to be. And right. so I, I reached out to Dr. Michael Greger for the forward and said, can mm-hmm. you just take three or four pages. You make the case for going plant-based. I'm going to take the how-to part from there. And that's what came together. And that's, you know, that's what the book is. And so it's trying to help people weed through the stuff. So they only have the stuff that they need to take action on it and actually see results ongoing and hang on to those results. So what are the elements like, so everyone's going to be going like, I wonder what she did those first three days. There's something magical going on here. So right. what are those elements that you're seeing consistently that are helping people who failed mm-hmm. multiple times be plant-based or whatever, implement these long-term changes in their life? Yeah. What, it, what have you learned? Share your secrets. <laughs> here we go. All right. So- good stuff. Right. Get your pen. Um, the, the biggest thing, if I had to pick the starting point, the way the book starts, it's, it's about motivation and tapping into the right motivation. And a lot of people tend to think about deprivation. Right? Mm. They think about this lifestyle and, oh my gosh, I have to give up that and that and that and that. Are you kidding? Mm. And they start to see I think the future starts to get a little bit blurry because this path that we're all on includes Turkey at Thanksgiving. And what's it like without Christmas cookies? What's, what does that even look like? Do I even want that? Hmm. Right. And so we focus on the wrong 
we focus on some of the wrong things and we have fear about the wrong things too. And I, I'm not a big one to talk about fear, but I do share the story about my father-in-law who um, he had one really strong rule about food, which was if it's green, I don't eat it. <laughs> and that period, that's it. There's no more mm. to that story. <laughs> wow. And so he was a pizza beer drinking Pittsburgher mm. and it was, you know, he supported what we were doing. He was never antagonistic. I mean, he might tease once in a while, but it was not antagonistic. And he also said, oh, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, right? And, and I just, I know, cause I know him and I know so many people like him. He just assumed, I mean, he knew it wasn't great what he was doing. He knew we were eating healthier than he was. That was not lost on him. He wasn't foolish. But he also kind of figured if he started to have heart problems, he'd take a pill for it. Mm. Blood pressure is going up, cholesterol is going up, more pills. Um, he had bad knees, he had two full knee replacements. And I had friends who had stents and bypass and all the stuff, right? And so I know, at least I think, that there was a huge part of him that just assumed if it got real bad, Mm -hmm. that was the way out yeah that was the, there'd be a fix right and in his case pancreatic cancer not a whole lot of fix there yeah so and yet he was also a fun loving life loving person mm -hmm. he wasn't trying to die he was trying to live he was trying to have fun pizza and beer and hanging out with the guys mm. And he saw what we were doing as deprivation. Mm. And yet we're here without him. Mm. And so I share that story with people because he didn't know what he didn't know, right? So he was mm -hmm. making an evaluation based on this present moment and the big assumption that I'm okay if I don't have any major diagnoses right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not just not the way disease works. Right. So I don't say that to scare people, but I say that to just remind people and just have a perspective shift around what you're choosing. Cause it is always a choice. Mm -hmm. So what looks, you know, what looks to some outsiders like deprivation is actually the opposite. Because in my book, what we're doing is ensuring that we have what we want, mm -hmm. right? We're only depriving ourselves of disease and discomfort mm -hmm. and disability. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing we're depriving of. Yep. So it's, it's having some aha moments like that, that mm -hmm. can really help people shift quickly and just mm -hmm. see things in a different light. Um, and, you know, and, and then there's so many people that come from a weight loss motivation. And they find me because, um, you know, they're looking for weight loss and, you know- They wanna get back even, in their pants. Exactly. And then even, even the, the title of the book, it's, it's hard for me a little bit because I'm not a weight loss person, mm -hmm. but that's what people want. But you get them there and then they're going to learn all the other good stuff. Exactly. So. 
and they'll get their weight loss, right? Like they'll, it's a beautiful synergistic relationship, right? (laughs) Everybody wins. (laughs) Yes. And they get to keep their weight loss doing it this way too. And they get to get the title like I do every time. (laughs) Um, but what happens is people get so hyper-focused on weight loss and they get so hyper-focused on food and don't get me wrong. The food is the foundation. There's no question, but they forget about the, why they're doing it sometimes. And they, and what I mean by that is I've, I've asked people a question. Chapter two is all about digging into your motivation and, mm-hmm. and finding your real why that's going to drive you forward, no matter what happens. And I ask a series of questions that gets people to think about what they're really in it for. What are you trying to lose weight for? And it's interesting how many people I've worked with that they don't even know. And I really have to pull it out of them. And we talked about a client recently who, um, all she could come up with or what she came up quite quickly was wanting to play volleyball with her kids. Hmm. And it's hard for her now because she's too heavy and it's uncomfortable. And in thinking about it, right? If we had just stopped right there with, well, if I lost weight, it'd be easier for me to play volleyball with my kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. You're on but the surface. Yeah. Very. And so when we got into it and I started asking just a few more questions, it tapped, we tapped into the idea that being athletic was part of her identity. And mm-hmm. after having kids, she'd lost that part of her. And so being able to play volleyball with her kids would be a symbol that she was back. Mm-hmm. She had herself again. And there was also a piece of connection and acceptance from her kids Mm. and being seen as a cool mom that could do that. It's Um, all about being the cool mom. Absolutely. (laughs) That never changes, right? (laughs) Oh, not even when they're 26, 24, and 22. It's all about, well, what can I do to be more cool then? Right. (laughs) Absolutely. That's That's a heart. It's a mother's heart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it turned in, you know, if we had just stopped at, I want to lose 20 pounds. So it's easier for me. And, and even Mm. pushing it it was just, I want to lose 25 pounds. And then it was, well, why? I'm not sure. Well, what would be different? Smaller clothes. Okay. What else? Right. And so we kind of go through all these questions and then it, we tapped into this very deep emotional driver Mm -hmm. that, oh, well, if I did that, my kids would accept me and I would feel like who I want to be. Now that's the kind of thing that actually gets people to take action Mm -hmm. way more than even getting back in your pants. Exactly. So there's so many unsurfaced, I guess, motivations because you do need to ask another why and another why until almost you see the emotional response and that works very well. Also, because as a physician, people are always coming in and it may be weight loss, it may be other health issues, but yeah. that is a, that is something I learned very early on um, to just keep asking open-ended why yes. questions. And, but I had a patient, um, hers was, she just wanted to fly to Norway. She goes, I want to lose weight. It's like, why do you want to lose mm. so much weight? Because I want to fly to Norway to see my daughter and not mm. be uncomfortable. Um, and then, you know, it gets into that deeper the yeah. embarrassments and all of that stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, 
very, very powerful. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So what are your other chapters worth? Oh my goodness. If we get into the deep. <laughs> yeah, we're on chapter two. So chapter two, we're already into the, we've already peeled the onion and you're seeing the core and you're crying because of the, yeah. What else do you have in store right? for us? Yes. So then I got to put things back together for a little oh, bit. Oh, good. Then we tear them apart a little bit. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can only handle that much for one day. Okay, I know, right? I know. That's so funny. Um, yeah, and and really, it is. I the it's it's funny. I I'm not going to claim I did it on purpose, but the book does sort of go oh, like that. You did on purpose. You know, you did. <laughs> <laughs> recovery deep dive. Recovery deep dive. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so what other things? Okay, so one of my foundational tools is about, and I mentioned building a life, right? And I love mm. um, Andrew Taylor from SpudFit has the quote, make your food boring and your life interesting. Mm -hmm. The day I heard that it was like light bulbs, fireworks. Yes, that's, that's what I'm doing. And that's mm. such a great way to say it. And I mentioned all my, you know, my family things revolving around food. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's just sort of a cultural norm. And so what he means by that and how I apply it is we focus on building a fun, interesting, happy, fulfilling life while we're getting healthy and the two go hand in hand. So if you're just trying to get skinny and you're miserable, when you get skinny, you're still going to be miserable. <laughs> amazing how that works out when you don't think about what you really want <laughs> right right exactly like, we think everything will be fine mm -hmm. when i'm skinny and yet mm -hmm. you know you just look around two seconds in hollywood and we see that's not the case exactly you I know mean, people don't understand you need to be happy and fulfilled in whatever your body is at the yeah. moment in your moment this right. moment because right. you don't know if you have a next moment either. Right. Like, like your father-in-law. Yeah, that's right. Mm. right. That's brilliant. Okay, another excellent process. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I came up with a way to apply that yeah. so that we could have a system to basically trigger that every day. Hmm. So I came up with the acronym PLANTS, P-L-A-N-T-S. Appropriate. Worked out well. <laughs> And, and I use, and so these are sort of like the six foundational things. And I use a daily tracker to help people mark them off. So we do P for planning ahead, which is just sort of thinking about what's coming. We don't just show up at somebody's house for dinner and just expect we're going to be able to have what we need. Mm. So P is for planning ahead and L is for lots of healthy food in the green light area. So I use sort of a green light, yellow light, red light the green light cheat sheet that helps people understand, you know, how just what whole food plant, whole food, plant-based food is and what right. it looks like in this chart. So I use that. So L and L I use L for lots because it is also a reminder that we're not portion controlling. We're not trying to eat just a few carrots, right? And a few right. celery sticks. You won't get, by the way, you won't get that off eating carrots or yeah, bananas right? or potatoes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, but people worry about eating too much. All right. So they switch to this. And I just heard today, somebody posted on my Facebook group. Oh no, it wasn't mine. It was in my, my gym. 
and it was about sort of calorie restriction. And the idea was that 1200 calories is a great nutritional need for a toddler. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's actually a really good visual. So maybe we can stop shooting for that. <laughs> um, so, uh, so L is for lots of healthy food, right? So we're going to choose whole food plant-based and we're going to not restrict the quantities of it that way. Um, A is for activity so that we're getting consistent activity and all throughout the day. N is for nice as in being a nice person. And so we, we get some happy hormones flowing just from reaching out, doing a random act of kindness, complimenting somebody in person or on Facebook or wherever you interact with people these days mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and being nice true. to ourselves, right? So just the reminder, mm-hmm. you know, that that's important too. T is for thankful as in living in gratitude and having some kind of gratitude practice every day. And S is for sleep. Mm. So we got plan ahead, lots of healthy food, activity, and is a nice, thankful, and sleep. And so when we do those things, that builds a really solid, well-balanced, healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And yet each day, we don't necessarily have to remember that maybe red peppers are more nutritious than green peppers right? If we, we've got L for lots of healthy food, check. Like that's a win. Mm-hmm. A for activity. If you parked at the far side of the mall parking lot and you walked in when you would have maybe parked in the front row or driven for 10 minutes around the <laughs> gym parking lot before, <laughs> before parking. In front of the gym, which is even the best part. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, then that's your A for activity. Mm. Right? And, and I borrowed Dr. Lyle's um, this is, this is actually based on Dr. Lyle starch targets that he uses in the McDougal program where we get this self-esteem boost from having a checklist, marking things off. And we mm-hmm. realize we're making progress. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to it, right? It's a, it, it boils it down to very basic things that mm-hmm. are very tangible that everybody can do. And we get that little self-esteem boost from yep. doing it. And when we get that, then we're more likely to continue doing it. And when you continue mm-hmm. doing it, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got yeah. it. And the celebration, I think is a very important. So um, yeah. when I work with patients, I'm constantly discussing, you know, the, the micro habits that we can move forward, you know, these tiny habits. And yeah. I talked to them. So I started, I'm training for my first 50 K and nice. I tell people, you know, I'm 50 and I'm going to my first 50K at 50. So, right. Yeah. Um, I said, when I was little, you may, you may have this experience too. You know, those little foil stars, stickers you get on your papers when you got a hundred or an A. Yeah. By far the most ultimate coolest thing ever in my life. So I said, you know what? I know I'm 50, a mother of three. Good Lord. I'm a physician, but I still really get excited about the idea of getting yes. stickers. So I bought yeah. some, this is so funny. I show all my patients this. I, I have no, I, I don't, it's easy, but over each day that I run, yeah. I put stickers and it, I tell people, I was like, I'll run 10 miles for a sticker. <laughs> and you know, it really, it is that little bit of a dopamine hit yes. that you're getting, um, which encourage you. And I said, it doesn't have to be a sticker. Although a lot of people do like the stickers, right? It's like, you know, a fist pump, a checkoff list, you're seeing yes. the continuation, but you totally tapped into something that's primal and exciting yes. for people. 
even if it's as simple as a sticker or a check mark. Right. So brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, another brilliant mark. So what else is there? And <laughs> <laughs> I'm what? like, geez, Louise, there's a whole lot already. So I know, <laughs> I know there's a, there's a lot. And that's, I, I'm really proud of how much is in there mm. and it's still a, a little compact um, paperback nice. and, and ebook and audiobook. So, oh, an audiobook, Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, everything I do is intended to make it easier, right? And so, and I, I've worked with my um, students in the online coaching programs and anytime there's a sticking point, I figure out, okay, what are they stuck on? All right, now we need a tool for that, right? And so, mm-hmm. it, and it's always evolving and learning and growing for me as well. And, um, you know, the, the book gets into a amazing step-by-step process basically of what it takes to just keep going and and to arrive where you want to end up and we start with as we mentioned where the heck do you want to end up Uh we we want to have that in mind at the forefront Um, another little tool that i use is a food and mood journal and we talk about the connections between how we're feeling and what we're eating. And so much of the time we find that we're eating to solve something that cannot be solved by the food that's in the fridge. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I love all the memes and I, I get to see so many of them in my groups, but somebody just posted today. Uh, it's a, a picture of a woman looking in the fridge and it said, whatever problem you're trying to solve, you won't find it in here. (laughs) You won't find the answer in here. (laughs) That Um, is exactly true, right? Because just people, well, and it's also part of that mindless component, right? Yes, exactly. Somewhere in back in our history, when we tasted that processed food, and now we're starting it, you know, with youngsters, you know, when I was a kid, there wasn't a, well, one, we didn't have a lot of money. We got what we got, we grew in the garden and beans, we eat a lot of beans. But, you know, but that processed food now is being introduced because it's so cheap and it's, yeah. they want you to become addicted. Then yeah. now we're having people never understood that there wasn't this right. eating to make you feel better. And so I think that's even harder right. because they don't have a history to kind of connect to. Right. Yeah, they're in, in reinventing it from the get-go. Yeah. yeah that's true. And it's kind of fun to see people, though, when they switch to the plant-based diet and they're like, wait, um is this what it's like to feel normal? I was like, yes. yeah, welcome to the Yes, bus. I and know. <laughs> exactly. So, know. Um, and it's funny because I, um, as you know, I, turning 50s, it was, a, there's a mental shift that occurs because you're like, wow, that's half a century of my life, right? And, <laughs> I, and I kind of, you know, I, I don't feel like that. I feel like I'm in my 20s. I've gone running with my 22 year old and he's cracking me up. He's like, mom, come on, go fast. I'm like, first of all, you're 20. He was 21 at the time. Yeah. He's like, I was like, I ain't going to run no seven minute mile. I was like, yeah. you see any other 50 year old mamas out here running with you? And are there kids? And he's like, good point, mom. I'm like, yeah, I'm 30 years older. Stop it. Now slow down. <laughs> so, right. you know, so those are, those are the fun that's moments. Amazing. And that's what I want people, you know, I share those stories because like, that is what we're supposed to be experiencing right. at, right. you know, whatever age you're at, there's more right. to it. And yeah. if you feed your body, well, your body will go, dude, thanks. Let's go. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a gift to, to know that. And, you know, my daughter being six, we spent a lot of time on playgrounds (laughs) and (laughs) most of the parents are on the bench Mm. on their phone. Mm. 
and I'm on the monkey bars and we're challenging each other. And we, you know, we, we just go do stuff. And I am so grateful that I, you know, knew all of this stuff in a time where I could take advantage of it and, Mm -hmm. and just live. Right. And it's not, you know, I I used to worry in the beginning of people going to think I'm weird if I'm doing squats on the playground. And then now I'm like, no, they're just jealous. (laughs) <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter. And what's interesting, right. you bring up a really important point. It was just kind of brief was the phones, right? The social media. There yeah. is actually some interesting research going on that newborns and their mothers who are breastfeeding aren't connecting. Cause you, you know, when you're breastfeeding yep. and you just like that gaze and you just like your heart melts and you say, yep. Oh, I love you so much. And, yes. but now these moms are scrolling Facebook yep. while their baby is just doing its thing. And they're just like, yeah. Oh, this is just a function of feeding yeah oh it's just like i know what are you missing out but exactly yeah. it's so important but you can even do that connection like uh, gabe when he was in high school he played for baseball uh, the varsity team <laughs> even as a freshman mm-hmm. and um what was interesting he had a really rough game one evening and gabe is like he's just one of those kids that just always excelled at things so when mm-hmm. there was failure it really was important that we understood that gabe failure is a way to learn and you right. take that process and you turn it into a win. Don't feel devastated and quit. I mean, that was a really, right. we understood that. And yeah. um, so my husband and I, and I don't know if you ever played baseball with like a 16 year old boy, but they no. throw really fast <laughs> baseball. And so uh, my husband, and it was a, it was a point of throwing a ball and throwing someone out at first base accurately yeah. as a pitcher. And um, I was like, okay, I'll be the batter. And I played softball growing up. I was like, okay. I'm ready. Yeah. So I, I hit a few. They didn't really go anywhere because of the time my ball, the ball connected with the yeah. bat. It just kind of <laughs> ring. And I'm like, not quite strong enough for that. I was like, we switched my husband and I. And yeah. then what was funny is like, so now I'm over at first base thinking I'm safe. And so yeah. my husband hits the ball and then Gabe just like, whoa, you know, throws it. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm not sure I could catch another reason to might take my head off. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, we're done with this. I'm just going to throw up the ball and hit it and you throw it to dad. Cause I, yeah. we're going to figure this out, but um, yeah, but, you know, it was yeah. really fun, but that part of that can always still occur even when they're teenagers yeah. for them, help them right. process these things. Right. Um, and in the interim, have a really funny joke about how your mom is scared when you throw a ball at you, but you know, those are, those are great memories. Awesome. Uh, and the coach brought it up at the awards dinner like at the end of the year he's like and then there was Gabe's parents who went out and threw it and you know I'm like and you just made a little funny about how I was you know well thanks (laughs) that's hilarious Um, but uh yeah I think that's so brilliant of you as a mom to just want to I really want to bring that point up that we got to connect with our kids on the social level like that right got to put down the phones right so yeah but um yeah. So now you've raised, just on a side note, um, you've raised the vegan baby. Yes. And she's well and healthy yes. and obviously yeah. being able to cross monkey bars with mom. Oh my gosh. She's crazy athletic. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. She just, she excels at anything that Aww. she tries, which is really, really fun. That is um, a blast. But we're getting to the, well, we're, we're, we're like right at that point where we can play tag and I don't have to, I don't have to oh. fake it anymore. <laughs> so I'm a little bit worried about. <laughs> oh, I have stories about those days. It's funny. My daughter was 13. Now my, mind you, my daughter's only five, two, right? She's okay. little, yeah. but my husband goes, 
Yeah, um, I realized we were old when she was 13 and could run faster than me. And my husband's yeah. pretty fast. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why uh-huh. you don't race the kids <laughs> yeah I know I know so we do different things <laughs> yeah well we still do our 10k five oh we said we did a ton of half marathons together yeah. especially that younger one but it's funny yeah. so my husband and I'm just used to being last I mean because it's the boys they run faster they do right. their thing so we right. did this one and it was running from Copper Mountain down to Frisco up in the mountains yeah I'm in Colorado and yeah uh, this is a few years back and I came in and my son goes, mom, I wasn't expecting you to come in that fast. I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> I, I was like, he was also expecting you like in another 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, if I could catch you, I'd hit you. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, so funny. But yeah, they like to dab at you a little bit. But it, yeah. is, it is so Keep much fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that this lifestyle affords you. Yeah. Those, and that's what I really, when I share those stories, I want people to understand though that could be your future. That is right you know, outside. Of, of course, there's certain circumstances, things may inhibit that. But for the majority of people, if we didn't yeah. have to be so overwhelmed and consumed with chronic disease, we could right. do those things like you are doing with yeah. your little one. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So That's, I just, I wish that for everybody, you know, yeah. everybody deserves that. And the kids deserve that. You know, the kids, grandkids deserve grandparents that are not only alive, but able to get down on the floor and play with them and get back up. <laughs> you know? Someday I'll have grandchildren. I got to get these kids <laughs> married off. I'm telling you, <laughs> that's the next eligibility. That'll be my next happy goal. Yeah. yeah. Oh goodness. Unfortunately, I have no stake in that matter. Make a decision. So right. I'll work on it. <laughs> Beyond your control now, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, Kristen, <laughs> this has been amazing. I know I've taken up so much of your time, but could you tell us me, is there any last bit of advice um, for, although you've given quite a bit tonight, it's amazing. <laughs> um, and definitely you guys pick up the book and where can they find your book? Um, where else should they find you on social media? Well, of course, we'll put those links. But yeah. any last bit of advice for somebody who's like tipping on the edge, although I don't know why they wouldn't be off the edge. Right now. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> You're on the fence. Just watch this from the beginning again. Come here okay. and let me punch you <laughs> off the fence, right? right. <laughs> um, no, I think the, you know, the, the way that we started our whole food plant-based journey was in reading a book that mm. changed our perspective about everything. Everything I was doing, I was doing on purpose. And then I realized, whoa, that there's a way different way to look at this and approach this. Mm. So that changed everything. And I remember quite well, it was my husband, I have to credit, when I was spouting off all this stuff and teaching him as I was reading it, he said, if even 10% of this stuff is true, we would be crazy not to try it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, and thank goodness we did. And thank goodness our friend, even though she didn't remember much about the book and she doesn't follow it herself, thank goodness she spouted out one day, there's this book you guys might like. Mm-hmm. Because it, it not only changed my life, but my whole family, so many of our friends and so many of the clients that I'm blessed to work with now and just right. expose this amazing life. So I'm so grateful for that. And if anybody's on the fence, I would just have to share what if this was that thing you need, that one thing mm-hmm. that you're looking for that would just make it all click and actually fall into place. Serendipity and there try. are no coincidences. That's right. That's right. You're listening for a reason. So where That's can right. they get your book? 
So you can find it on Amazon. Awesome. Uh, you can search baby got back in her pants or search wow. Kristen bummer and you'll find it that way. Um, <laughs> baby got back in her pants. Well, I'll, I'll have to add share the smiley his, emoji. Well, you know, because after um, Jonathan, my second one was born, I was still a stay at home mom. I went back to school when they were five, three and 10 months. So I was in the stay at home range and yeah. I will never forget. My husband was stationed in Ohio and I had just had the baby. Like he was, I don't know, maybe three months old. And I was able to get back in my pants. And it was like a topic of conversation when we went out to dinner with like six other couples, like, Lori, how did you get back in your pants? And maybe that's why I'm always so tickled because that really resonates with me. I was like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just exercise. I've been eating well. (laughs) But anyway, I just, that was a, you know, that was 24 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But that emotion, that emotion's powerful. It sticks with you. Yes. When you, when people are looking at you and you're an adoration, because you're holding a three month old baby and like you're living back in your pants. And I mean, I think that's just, I just think of that evening every single time. Yeah. So it's on Amazon. You have other websites as well. They can learn more about you and your, and your services. Yep. You can go to the forever diet.org. Um, that's my homepage. And the, as far as on Facebook, that's the best place to find me. I have a private group called the plant-based success club and where I share all sorts of tips and information. I do live training there, um, all for free anytime. And I didn't mention, so I, I've, I've referenced several of the tools in the book. When you purchase the ebook or the paperback, you actually get the audiobook for free. Awesome. as well as a companion workbook. So when I ask you those hard questions, you can write it down. It's sort of a built-in journal that you can use. The plants targets tracker that I mentioned, the green light cheat sheet, you get all of that principle for free um, just for getting the ebook or the paperback. Um, awesome. So you can't beat it. There's, there's so much support and resources there uh, available to guide you. There is nothing else y'all need. Just check it out, go get it, <laughs> and then it'll be it'll be someone's China study, which is yeah. awesome. Oh, which is kind you. of full circle for you, right? It is. It is absolutely cool. awesome. I well, I can't that. wait to hear about those stories. Right. Me too. Me too. Have to do a follow up. <laughs> absolutely. And congratulations. And thank you thank again you. so much for spending time on our show. Absolutely, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. You're welcome.